Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And then I got into Boston Public Schools. And I was like, oh, because in Boston Public Schools, I think the percentage is maybe like 12 to 14% white kids. Mm. They're not in the city's public schools. And so it was the first time where I'm working with people who look like me, like predominantly. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was when I started, yeah, again, am I black enough? Am I too white? Yeah. Uh, um, But I will say that that experience really, kind of like you were saying in your example, made me be like, well, there's no one way to be black. New York, I know you have. Yeah. Every morning that I wake up, I think about my ambition. Humans, what's up? How are you? Wow, it has been a while. Um, welcome back to another episode of La Mescla. My name is Adrian Burke. Uh, I am the creator and host of this show. Um, hi to my OG fans and hello to anybody new who might be listening to this. Um, welcome back to the uh, remote episodes of La Mescla. I hope you're all doing okay out there. Um, we're living in truly unprecedented surreal and in many ways uh truly dystopian and horrible times uh and i hope that this show gives you a little bit of a respite from it uh and introduces you to some really cool awesome creatives and speaking of cool ass artists uh you see that slick transition you see that this is this is why i have a show this is why i get paid zero money to do this show folks uh but enough about me let's talk about our guest i'm so excited to have her this week our guest is the amazing amazing desiree oko uh desiree is a french teacher and artist living in boston massachusetts uh when she's not teaching uh, you can find her running the uh newly minted online marketplace called the black devated boutique um, this is a uh, really, really cool um, store where you can buy any of Des's artwork, as we talk about on the show. Uh, please make sure to <clears throat> to check out blackdevatedboutique.com to check out all the products that are available. Um, the, the store is to raise funds for various organizations in direct response to the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor. Um, so this is an excellent Black-owned business to support, uh, especially in the current moment, but really always. We should really always be doing that. Um, so please check out all of Des's stuff, and I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Desiree. Hey, vamos lá. Tá vendo, ó? A vida foi feita pra viver. E você tem que entender que eu só posso vivê-la se eu tiver com você. Come with me. Vem comigo nessa. Okay, hi Desiree. Hello. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. It's why I mean we were just talking before I started recording. I haven't seen you in like at least six years. Yeah, since you fled Boston for New York. Yes, I mean, listen, kudos for staying in Boston, but I couldn't do it. I just really couldn't do it. It's not my fault. I'm still here. I'm grounded by another human. 
Yes, yes. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Just make the best of it. Yes, as always. So let's, um, so let's start them um, uh, as how I always start them. Um, so um, I don't know if you know this, but I, I, the, the name of the fan base for this show, which is very small, is my mom's friends because it's mostly just people my mom tells to, to, to listen to the show. So just introduce yourself to my mom's friends. Uh, tell us who you are, <laughs> where you're from, uh, and like what your mix is. All right. Hello, agents, mom, and friends. I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am Desiree Oko. Um, I am a French teacher in the Boston area by day and by night I would spend all my free time creating, creating, creating and my backgrounds, well because this is La Mescla, right? Yes it so is. This kind of background. You're goddamn right. <laughs> So, um, to prove that I belong here, no, just kidding. Um, my background is very mixed. Um, my mom is from the Bahamas, and on her side, she has traces of like Scottish and Indian, the subcontinent. And then my biological father is Colombian. Mm. I yes. never knew that. Holy shit. And you know, people including him, I think, told me he's part Greek, but I did a DNA test and that didn't show up on there. So question <laughs> mark, question mark. <laughs> but the thing, those DNA tests are sketchy to me because I did one too. And like, it's constantly, ch I'll get an email every three weeks of like, your profile has been updated. I'm like, well, no then way. what does any of this mean? That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely not putting all of my credence into it, but it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Just because there are parts that I'm just like, I'm really not sure. Just to see, you know, 50% of your ancestry is Northwest Africa. It's like, yeah. oh, wow. Because I, I feel like before that, I had had trouble kind of really understanding my lineage and am I African American? Like, what mm -hmm. is that? So, yeah. Did they, did, when you were in like middle school, did they make you do like the the genealogy thing where you take like the piece of yarn and like th they made me do that in elementary school and I remember like I was the only one who had a piece of yarn that went to South America and oh. every, everybody well I went to a me like mad white school so like everybody was like Scotland it's like the UK yeah. totally I did not have to do that fortunately well kudos congratulations <laughs> Thank you. I did not have to survive that uh, small childhood trauma. <laughs> so wait, did I, I, maybe I, I did a bad job listening, but did you say where you grew up in that? Oh, um, so woof, I grew up all over the place. Um, I spent a lot of time in Florida, which is where I would say I grew up mm -hmm. before coming to Boston for your college. Um, but yeah, Florida, before that, Maryland, Virginia, I spent a little time in the Bahamas with my grandparents also when I was very young. Got it. Was it like a moving for work uh, situation? All types of things. I couldn't mm. say that I even know why for each one really. <laughs> got it, got it, got yeah. it. But Florida is like the the big one, the main one. That was like fourth grade to senior year. So. Got it, got it. Where in Florida? Tampa Bay. Oh, okay. I will admit to knowing absolutely nothing about Tampa Bay. <laughs> That you you know they have a hockey team, good beaches nearby. 
that's Bush Gardens. That's cool. An amusement park. It's cool. Okay. All right. Love it. And Love it, it. And it's an hour from Orlando. So. Got it. Got it. And you were, are there, are there Colombians in Tampa? I feel like all of Florida is like Cubans and a lot of like, um, a fair amount of Brazilians I've heard too. Yeah, so I am not aware of the big Colombian community there. It could exist. I unfortunately am not really in tune with that part of my identity. Mm. So it wasn't something on my radar. Sure. Yeah. Were you, what were, did you find that, um, like in the home, like were you being raised in any particular like intentional culture or was it much more of like a, we're just here and we're living in America type deal. I think it was more that for sure, because, you know, the person I call my father and then my mom, they're both immigrants. Mm -hmm. Um, So they both came over when they were 16. And yeah, I think it's just you move over and you adopt your American lifestyle and that's what you raise your kids in. Yeah, yeah. A bit of that. I always find that fascinating because like the, I mean, just from doing this show, like I've I've been fascinated by like the spectrum of immigrant parent like responses to moving here. Like going like on one end of the spectrum, there's like full on assimilator. On the other end of the spectrum, there's like full on like we're still in this culture. We live in an enclave of this culture, and we don't really like leave that that scenario. I just think that's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like for me, the cultural things that were shared and passed on were more ideologies and not like you know music and clothing and food Mm -hmm. there was some food but yeah what kind of ideologies do you think uh you know just become a doctor lawyer engineer (laughs) and that's (laughs) the only way you can succeed Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. tried to become an engineer actually i came to did you for engineering it did not work out I know myself and I wouldn't have tried, (laughs) would never have tried. Well, that was me like still kind of trying to do, hello. There you are. Yes. We did it. So I think you were saying, uh, I lost you right around, um, you were were pursuing engineering and that felt like it was still kind of trying to appease that that mentality. Yes, absolutely. And it it didn't work out. Because it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 about it didn't work out? Did, was there a specific thing that you fell in love with that wasn't engineering, or was it just more general like this sucks? I hate engineering. Yeah, it was just a horrible environment. Professors weren't really there to help me succeed. At least that's what it felt like to me. It did not feel, you know, when I was doing poorly in engineering and thinking about transferring to the College of Arts and Sciences. The administration was not nice and like did not make me feel like I could succeed if I were to leave engineering, but also didn't make me feel like I could succeed if I stayed. And then Mm. also just being one of the few women and then add woman of color on top Mm. of it. And it just was not the space for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember. I don't I don't think I had very many friends who were in engineering when we were at VU. But I can't imagine that the the demographic makeup of the of those classes was like it must have been mad homogenous. Like I can't yes, even imagine. Exactly. And what what about the because we sort of skipped straight to college, but like what about the like the high school you went to in Florida? Like what what kind of crowd did you run with? Like 
what kind of group of friends, what interests were you pursuing? I mean, similarly to you, I went to predominantly white schools. I started going to private school in fourth grade and that was my experience going on. I went to two different ones. Um, and yeah, so I, I did what I could uh, with who I could, but it was <laughs> predominantly, you know, white environments. But as for interests, I remember, I think maybe middle school is when I, you know, maybe like fifth grade, I joined a course or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think that probably started uh, my interest in musical theater and singing and groups and things. So most of my activities were around like acapella groups and being in the school chorus and musicals yeah. and things like that. What did you ever, did you ever sing a solo in the chorus? Did I ever sing a solo in the chorus? I or can, did. Or can you, yes, tell me, what was it? I, it was actually a gospel mass, which was really cool. So I got Whoa. to have a solo in this little gospel. And I okay. remember being like, am I like singing this black enough? Like, like Ooh, wow, yeah. you know, like, can I sing this? I don't know. So that was interesting. I mean, the whole am I this enough or that enough is like literally like why I started doing this show. Like, I can't tell you how, how heavy I relate to that, especially like, I mean, obviously I can't speak to like the experience of blackness at all, but the, I, I remember also growing up in a very white environment, having moments of, um, am I, am I pronouncing this word like correctly? Am I like, am I being like quote unquote Latino enough in this scenario, knowing that I'm in a room full of people who wouldn't know, even know what that is. So it's mm -hmm. just this, this entirely internal fight that you're doing as a literal child. Yes. Oh my gosh. No, the first time I ever was made aware of what was happening in that regard in my world was when I was 12 in seventh grade. Mm. Um, our, my literature teacher, English teacher, I don't know, maybe writing, I don't remember what the class was, but we read a book called Passing and it was all about this mixed woman who... Nella Larson, right? Yes. And I think I probably still have it on my bookshelf. I haven't read it since then, but mm. the impression that it left on me has stuck forever. Wow, you read that when you were 12? Yeah, we read some stuff when we were 12. <laughs> I, I think I didn't read that until I was a junior in high school or something. I think my school had a clockwork orange on the seventh grade curriculum for a while. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And were, were there any other, like, were there even any other kids in class who like even came close to like the experience of passing or even like knew what passing meant? Like I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I know we had a couple Hispanic or Latinx people, not that many. And then otherwise it was like, I don't know, a couple kids from Asia or with mm -hmm. Asian backgrounds and then black kids. Yeah. So, so I don't know if there is that, mix of like am i this enough am i that enough yeah yeah and how about in your uh your social circles at that time like did you ever did you ever feel like othered by your friend groups or even just kids at school or like did you f did you feel like you fit in like what was that what, what did that feel like i kind of got along with everybody my my grade was like 130 kids mm. um and i really i don't know i just got along with everybody there were times when white kids would say things and I, I just didn't know what they meant. Like, 
this moment sticks with me. This white kid came up to me and was like, oh, this girl gave me a high five, a black girl. She gave me a high five and called me dog. And I was like, okay. <laughs> right? Oh my God. You me to call you dog or like, what is this? Yeah. I, the like I, the like excitement of that too, like the the pride yeah. of it is. Eek. Yeah, I did not know what that was. I still don't know what that was, but that is one moment that I remember. And then yeah, you know, growing up, going to white, predominantly white schools for so long, it wasn't something I thought about. I was just like, okay, this is this is how it is. It wasn't until high school when I wanted to go to a public school to experience diversity that I started feeling really constrained in my environment. And like mm. I was missing out on experiences. Mm. So you went from private to public, a public high school? No, I wanted to. Oh, God. Public it. education in Florida is not it. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> not it anywhere in America, but particularly uh -huh. in Florida. Uh -huh. So my parents were like, no, <laughs> you're not. Got it, got it. Yeah, I think it took me like longer to I, I liked the way you put that of like feeling constrained. Like, like I, it took me a long time to feel like I like had been losing out on something, like had been losing out on being in touch with a certain part of myself. Yeah. And I don't think that was ever like my mom's intention. You know, single moms got to do what single moms got to do. But like mm -hmm. looking back on it, I really do feel like I spent years just like kind of getting away from an entire half of myself not even half yeah. just like an entire huge chunk of myself for sure yeah i mean it was crazy like i didn't listen to hip-hop or rap really i mostly listened to rock music mm -hmm. and yeah i don't know it took a while for me to just start embracing my blackness <laughs> mm -hmm. when do you think that that process really started happening Honestly, probably like intentionally and legitimately about three years ago mm. when I was, I started working in Boston public schools mm. because I went from predominantly white school, same school from seventh to 12th grade. And then um, I went to BU rich, rich university mm -hmm. in Boston, which is super white. Yes, we can get into that. We could get into that for sure. And then I worked in Back Bay, which is a super wealthy neighborhood. So like I had not experienced Boston yet, really. I just yeah. had experienced these, the same versions of the places I'd been my whole life. And then I got into Boston public schools. And I was like, oh, because in Boston public schools, I think the percentage is maybe like 12 to 14% white kids. Mm. They're not in the city's public schools. And so it was the first time where I'm working with people who look like me, like predominantly. Mm -hmm. um, and that was when I started, yeah, again, am I black enough? Am I too white? Yeah. Uh, um, but I will say that that experience really, kind of like you were saying in your example, made me be like, well, there's no one way to be black, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Did you what, did you find that like, like were your students questioning you about your identity? Like were they, because students can be, I mean, I've never taught in a public school, but like I've done my fair share of 
teaching for extracurricular programs and kids don't fuck around <laughs> like no, they really totally honest. they really don't yeah yeah it's great no those kids no no like they are happy I think to have teachers that look like them maybe that was an elementary school so maybe they didn't realize mm -hmm. but when I taught high school in Boston yeah. public schools when I told my students I was leaving, they were like, what, you can't leave us. They're gonna get mm. another white teacher that doesn't understand us and da da da. And yeah. that is when I really understood the importance of um, students having teachers that look like them. Absolutely. And we're in the, this was in what district in Boston? This was in Back Bay or? Um, no, so the elementary school I taught in, well, first I taught in a public charter school and that is on Northeastern campus. Okay. Um, so a decent area. And mm. then the elementary school I taught at is in Mattapan, which Got has it. this awful nickname, Murder Pan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yikes. I mean, Boston itself is just like one of those cities that like you hear when people hear Boston, they're like people just kind of like tighten up, I think. Yeah. It has well, a real, real reputation. Absolutely. I mean, but again, I did not see it until I got into the public schools. Yeah. But when I told I think that just speaks to what a amazing job that the city of Boston does of uh, segregating its citizens. And, yes. and completely cutting off the rich from poor and yes yeah it's far more insidious um i saw a TikTok that was like you know i prefer the southern brand of racism it's overt it's obvious you can see it you know what it is northern diet racism is covert and i don't know it's more insidious um more institutionalized also yeah yeah, it's, and I feel like in terms of Northeast covert racism, like Boston's kind of the poster child. Not that yeah. the, all of these other cities, New York definitely included, because New York public schools, have, mm -hmm. there's a lot going on there, but yeah. Boston definitely kind of takes the cake. Yeah, when I got into BU and planned to come up here, my mom was like, Boston is like one of the most racist cities. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> and, you know, I ultimately have been fine. I don't think I've, I've, I've only, okay, no, I have definitely experienced racism here, but you know, it's been my whole life, so I can just mm -hmm. let it wash off. Um, but yeah, to finally really see it for what it was in the public schools, I'm just like, wow. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like you've kind of been all over the place now. How many schools have you taught at in Boston? Um, I've probably been in eight schools because when I first started, I was teaching after school programs. So I was in and out of a lot of places. Got it. Got it. And we, so we never covered, like, I'm so curious about what the, what the process, like what the journey was from, I'm going to try to be an engineer to I'm going to be an educator. Um, well. Hmm. Well, there was no process of I'm going to be an educator. That was never my goal or intention. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> That's just what my resume said I was good at. Got it, got it, got um, it. From like working in summer camps, working with kids since I was 16. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'd been studying French since seventh grade. And I was taking French at BU. Um, and that's what I changed my major to, to French language and literature. And then I tacked on a linguistics major. So by the time I finished BU, I had all this French experience. I had all this um, experience working with kids. 
Mm-hmm. And so then I got a job right after college at the French Cultural Center, working in their education department, just as an assistant, like 10 hours. And then the next year, they're like, okay, do, would you like to be an after-school teacher? So then I started working in their after-school program. And one of those programs wanted to pilot a French program within their school. So then I was teaching in a Boston public school. And then they liked it so much that they were like, hey, would you want to just join us and work All right. um, for BPS. So I'm like, okay, great. Yes, absolutely. Um, and there, you know, I only spent like an hour and a half a day. Okay, beautiful. Just in my little room. Beautiful. So I was like, okay, yes, I love this. And then when I had a full-time load and was actually there, then I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then all the problems arose. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah, such as what are what what kind of problems arise? Woo! Just because I not yeah. to like, and we don't you know get into it as much as you want. But I this show has been predominantly artists, like writers, actors, like I don't have a real job, to, <laughs> like that type of that type of human. But that's part of why I really wanted you to be on the show is because I uh, I just am fascinated by by what having by having uh, like an identity with many different intersections in the, in the context of being an educator. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just lack of resources. I think yeah. that is the biggest thing, lack of resources. Um, and then in Boston in particular, there are three exam schools and like, that's where the white kids are. Um, and they have a lot of resources um so yeah just that kind of thing just seeing how our education system consistently fails kids of color yeah yeah and you're and this whole time so this whole time that you're kind of sort of falling into this career as an educator like are you like are are you sing? Are you like singing at night? Are you like drawing at night? Like, how is the how is the artistic like discipline kind of developing at the same time? I think I kind of left it. I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm just gonna be an educator. Yeah. And then I broke my toe. <laughs> oh, okay. How did you break? <laughs> I did not see that coming. You- I broke my toe. I How did you break your trying- toe? I was trying to get a chair off of this little desk, and the chair was heavier than the desk. And you know, my my other coworker just really messed up her toe in the same work environment like two weeks prior. This oh my god! The beginning of the school year, I'm like, okay, this place is cursed. Um, it's going to be hell. Anyway, so I pick up this chair off the desk. The desk falls and lands on my toe and it breaks. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I was, like I said, this, uh, the work environment was so stressful. Um, and I had a yoga practice that I couldn't do. So I was like, I need something to help my mind. Mm. Um, and so I started doing watercolor YouTube tutorials. Ooh. Yeah, and visual arts isn't something that I had really been into. Um, and I kind of was like, oh, I, I don't play piano anymore. Like, you know, I, I'm not singing in groups or anything. I joined like a, a little chorus for a porch fest. Do you guys have those in New York? No, but I've been to, I went to porch fest once 
uh, in JP. Shout outs to uh, Caitlin Brzee, who also went to BU with us because she works for a, a Latin dance company in in JP and I went to one of their Porch Fest shows like years oh, ago. Oh, that's so funny. Well, it was a JP Porch Fest that I was mm. doing because um, yes. that's where I live. Yes, and... for which, for, for my mom's friends, JP Porch Fest, it's like a cool outdoor <laughs> festival in Jamaica Plain in Boston. Uh, that is what we're referring to. Please yeah, so, so yeah, so I started painting um, and it was something that I'd been wanting to do forever because that was the one art that I hadn't really gotten into, visual art. Um, so yeah, I just started painting, 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 and didn't stop. That's beautiful. I think, uh, I feel, and I, I mean, for a while after we graduated school, I was working in film production and sort of had kind of the same experience of like, this job is so of beyond it's beyond full time it's like i'm getting emails at midnight <laughs> and like that i felt the entire creative part of me just sort of like going to sleep and i just think it's so important for anybody like in any discipline art creative or not to have an outlet so i in a weird way i'm glad you broke your toe i guess me is what too. i'm saying oh my gosh it's the weirdest thing it's been very weird to reflect on how horrible things have created beautiful things mm. um, because I've really been reflecting on that these past couple months now as mm -hmm. I'm launching a business or like yeah. have a small business right now the only reason take, why I've... take that question mark away <laughs> take that question mark away <laughs> well I'm just again it's like my teaching career I kind of just fell into it and yeah. now it exists yeah. And I'm like, okay, how do I nurture this? Do I nurture it? Yeah. Where is this going? No, you um, have a you have a small business exclamation point. No question. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I I did have like a logo meeting for it earlier, so I guess it's serious. Yes, you did. Um, She's busy. She has meetings all day. <laughs> I'm booked, guys. Come on. <laughs> booked and blessed. So tell yeah. us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your business. Well, yeah. So. Um, it's called the Blacktivated Boutique, and it came up again just out of something horrible, like mm -hmm. George Floyd's murder, Ahmaud Arbery's murder, the news of Breonna Taylor's murder finally come to light mm -hmm. um, in that moment of intense grief and rage came this poster design. And then I don't know, somebody asked if I was gonna make prints of it and I hadn't considered that. And I was like, okay. So I went to my local copy shop and sold all the prints and then had another idea for a poster, did that, started selling those. And then someone was like, are you gonna like, wh what if you put it on a shirt? Cause I don't have any space on my walls. Or, oh, was that a tote bag? Oh, it looked like one in your picture. So then I made tote bags. Yeah. And I've sold all of those. Yes. So I'm like, okay, this is something. Um, so yeah, just kind of using my art right now for activism and taking 30% of all the proceeds and donating them to various funds that are in need of money. Yeah, I mean, that's beautiful. And I can't think of a better underlying uh lesson or sentiment for anybody who's a anybody who's listening to the show but also any anybody i've just like i wish i had you as a teacher just Aww. like that that concept the concept of like taking really dark moments of taking moments of pain and anguish 
and being able to channel them into something that's not only like productive and useful and helpful, but that's also nourishing for yourself, like nourishing for your soul. It is literally so healing. Um, my friend and I have this joke now, like when I'm angry, like get her the paper and markers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You should not, not to pitch, but like if you ever made like a broken toe design or something, (laughs) I'd, I'd be all over that. I'd be all over. Yeah, um, that story, just what you're saying too, just reminds me of like the story of the lotus and how you have this beautiful flower, Mm. but it can only grow from the depths of the mud. I don't don't know this at all. I I was told this story, I went to get like a Reiki session, which cool if you're into Reiki, I'm just saying that session, I felt nothing after. (laughs) So I'm not sure about it. I'm going to be honest with you. I... I have never really understood what Reiki was. And the only people that I've ever heard talk about like their Reiki sessions are like white comedians that I know. (laughs) So I like, so I've always just kind of, when I hear Reiki, I just kind of like side-eye whoever's talking to me. Yes. I mean, fortunately I do know people of color who engage in it and do it. And I appreciate their offering. The idea I guess is like energetic healing, like healing auric field and things like that, which is great. I'm just saying I personally did not feel like I got anything out of that except I had a flower painted on my toe and that person was like, I feel called to tell you this story of the lotus. And so ever since then I've had that image and so when things like my toe breaks or George Floyd gets murdered and then something comes out of it that is like the opposite of what it was, which was, Mm. you know, painful and anguish and anxiety inducing that turns into something beautiful. It's like, oh, here's the flower coming out of the mud. Yeah. I never even knew that about the lotus flower, that it only grows out of mud. That's wild. I guess because I guess if you think about it, where would we find them in the water? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean that make it that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I know I was like, hmm, wow, <laughs> this yeah. is an image so many of us have probably seen, but just not really thought about. Yeah, that's so awesome. Did your toe heal up? Is that myth true that like a broken toe never heals? Is that a real thing? I'm not sure. Um, I did not get my follow up X ray, <laughs> but <laughs> but I can roll over it now when I do yoga. Okay. Um, so I think it is healed, but in the winter, like the cold mm-hmm. does hurt. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. And I never, well, I guess I'll obviously like put links to everything in the description of the show, but how can people find your, your stuff? So right now I just have my Instagram. Um, so it's Des, D-E-S underscore the creatrix. Um, and hopefully I will have some sort of website situation coming out soon, but I would definitely post it there. Great. And that'll be everything. And I'm for some reason pointing down, like <laughs> we're in a, like, we're in a fucking YouTube video right now, but that'll be in the description for everything. Mom's friends, buy all Sweet. this stuff. Yay. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I'm hoping on my website, yeah, to put like the prints I've been offering, um, my tote bags. I'm going to have shirts soon. <gasps> I can't wait. Uh, yeah. And you were, I, I feel like I saw something on social media that you're getting, you're getting put up in like in shops in Jamaica Plain. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, Trace Gatos. It's a restaurant, but also has a record shop and bookstore 
and mm -hmm. they have been carrying my tote bags there, which is super awesome. Holy shit. Look at you. Yeah. This is so I know, right? But I'm just like, how did this happen? <laughs> Again, That's so like, amazing. sometimes I just look around and I'm like, whoa, this is yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. I also just like, I mean, you're inspiring me on so many levels, but I, I, I also, I feel like there's this, I'm, I'm calling you out creative community, but like, <laughs> I, I feel like there's this like kind of mentality of like, oh, anybody who's like not, anybody who's not like doing the the artist thing 100% of the time and like eating 99 cent ramen every day is like, they're not like, they're not doing it. Like they're not doing it right. But I just yeah. like, somebody like you, who's like, who's developing this, this business straight up off of their art, who's like, who's putting this money towards causes where it needs to go while at the same time, like educating young people in public school. Like I can't think of a more like, I don't like rounded creative life. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a full-time educator. I teach like acting classes for kids a couple times a week, but I, the, my time spent teaching has been probably a, 10 times more rewarding than any time I've spent on a set or like on a stage. It really is like such a, I consider that a part of the creative experience. I don't know if this is even a question, but I'm just rambling. I mean, I gotta create lesson plans every day. Whew. And then like, and they gotta be interesting and engaging. Yes. Like that, when I'm, when it's the school year, like that is where my creative energy goes. Yeah. Um, but to what you're saying about like, not being the full-time artist and like that vision, I also just, you know, that makes me think about the importance of not being wrapped up in like the things you do, like, mm. and making that your identity. Right. Um, yeah. You can be many things at once. You can be both and it doesn't have to be either you're an artist or you're not. Yes. To bring it back to the whole mixed race thing. Like you are not like, I am, I am not <laughs> half and half I am both and like, <laughs> yes, I think exactly. that I, I, I that concept applies to so many things I feel like I keep um, on circling back to it I am really trying to invite in and live in the non-binary because I feel like mm. this binary thinking is really really detrimental yeah yeah and just so like I don't know like capitalistic it's like you know exactly yeah so what about so what about, are you still singing these days? Or are you still like doing choral stuff? I am, weirdly enough. I'm singing more than I have in the past, despite singing together not being allowed. Mm. Um, so recently I, well, yeah, recently, it came out recently. I did um, a virtual choir with Eric Whitaker. He, I've, heard, I've heard of this. He's this like a... Big deal, right? He's a big deal. He's been doing it a long time. This might be his last one, but this one was like about 17,500 people from 129 different countries. Wow. Um, and that song is Sing Gently, and you can find it on YouTube and Spotify and wherever you get music. It's gorgeous, and the visual that they put with it is amazing. That's so, so cool. How do you even get involved with something like that? You just submit stuff to him and he uses it? Yeah, he has like a whole site. It's very organized. There were some rehearsals on YouTube Ooh. where you could do vocal warm-ups and there's a live chat and it was super cool. So I did that. Um, and then recently I had an opportunity to help organize and be a part of um, 
kind of like an activist. Are we back? Yeah, we're back. I lost you okay, right cool. at the word. I lost you right at the word activist. <laughs> oh, great. So I think I was saying that I just was part of this project, also now on YouTube, um, where we took the song, Do You Hear the People Sing from Les Mis? And the oh. person idea it was was to just feature people of color singing it mm. and using protest footage from around the nation oh my god i saw i was i saw this circulating you were a part of that yes if wow. you look it up you will see my face in there yes let's go let's <laughs> yeah. go yeah um so yeah and then the last one is just like a retirement project from a teacher for a teacher um from my high school slash middle school my chorus teacher was like, oh, do you want to be involved in this? And I was like, yeah. I mean, so that's three singing projects. Damn, Des. <laughs> You're making us look like slackers over here. I, I feel like I mean, I've done nothing during quarantine. Oh my God. I feel like I've done nothing during quarantine. You literally started a business. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like this weird, like maybe cognitive dissonance where it mm. feels like nothing is happening. Because, yeah. like, externally, nothing is happening. Mm -hmm. But I guess things are happening in my little apartment. Yes. And, I mean, what's more meaningful than that? Like, one of the things that's really drilled into me during this whole pandemic experience is just how, like, m most things beyond the local community level, like, are just not real. And we spend all this time obsessing about those, like, large-scale, like, how do I get famous type stuff but like the actual being involved in the community you live in is like is the real shit i have been i've been trying to be careful with my words in case like any of my students are listening but i've been <laughs> deep in my community like i've really been involved gp randomly has so many facebook groups like a facebook group for puzzle trading a facebook group Whoa. for gardening where you give tips and like share your plant stuff like okay. an everything free page where people are just giving things away um so it's kind of amazing yeah i will i i usually when i put these episodes up i give them funny little titles based off something in the episode and i'm very tempted <laughs> to name this one desiree oko's balls deep in her community <laughs> I mean, I can't control what you make the title. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Uh, but you can object. <laughs> this is true. I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Cool. Good to know. Good to know. I'll think, I'll think of something else. <laughs> okay, thanks. Oh, my God. How about this? Because we're, we're, uh, we're kind of winding down on time. So if you, if instead of talking to me right now, you were talking to... Uh, to yourself when you were just starting teaching? Say maybe this is like right when you were about to transition from your, your comfortable hour and a half French class into being a full-time educator. Like what, I'm just curious what advice you would give to yourself? I would give myself, like I already knew as you were speaking, I would give myself the advice that I was given that first year that I became a full-time educator, which is that you can only control what happens in the four walls of your classroom. Mm. Mm. And maybe that kind of is tied into what you were saying too about like your impact beyond your community and mm. like being worried about what's happening out there. But like when you are teaching, there's gonna be some stuff that happens that you do not agree with. 
do not want to be a part of, do not want to perpetuate. And sometimes you will not be able to do anything about that except for how it shows up or doesn't in your own classroom. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And again, a total universality in, in, I think that can apply to literally any field, like literally yeah. starting out in any field. Yeah, you, can for only, sure. you, you can only control what's in your four walls. I like that a lot. Yeah, but I mean, it, it can get super overwhelming when you see how like these systems of racism, inequality, whatever, perpetuate. Yeah. Um, my husband always likes to say that schools are where you see all of society's problems. Yeah. Um, so when you start seeing really how those systems work and affect each other, that can be super defeating and overwhelming. Hmm. So just to know that like, if that's not what you're trying to do, you can create the space of whatever it is you want it to be with these humans and create your little community. Mm. That's incredibly well put. Thank you for saying that. Of course. Uh, is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanna that you wanna get in here before we before we wrap up? Ooh, I don't know. I just I guess anybody listening, I encourage you to keep showing up, speaking up, fighting for whatever it is. If you see something and you want something done about it, maybe try to be the person that gets the ball rolling on it, even if it feels hard. Mm, absolutely. Hardcore second that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm exhausted, and but I'm going to keep speaking. <laughs> damn right. You're goddamn right. And I, I would highly encourage everyone to get balls deep in their community. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Essentially. <laughs> of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Make sure it's with the consent of the community. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Des, thank you so much for being here. This yeah. is great. This was so great. And I'm so happy that just I mean outside of fucking recording this, I'm so happy that we could reconnect. This is so I nice. know. This is a good reunion. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes. And the first of many, we'll definitely, we'll figure out a way to have you back, especially once the world has restarted. Yeah. And, and I have like a website and stuff. Yes. Plug, plug everything right now. <laughs> Do it. Seriously um, though. Yeah. But there is no website yet, but okay, if you but have me back, I will be able to. I will a hundred percent, but plug the, uh, plug the Instagram again. Oh yeah. So that is Des, D-E-S underscore the creatrix. And that's pretty much where you can find me. Yes, and look out for lots of grace. I have one of your prints on my wall. I'm looking at it right now. It's, and I, I can't wait to get more stuff. Yay, thank you so much. Des, thank you. Yes, all right. Be well, my friends. You too. All right. And that's it for this week's episode of La Mezcla. Thank you so much to Desiree Elko for coming in. And by that, I mean logging into a Zoom call. Thank you to Zoom, I guess. Um, I actively hate Zoom, but it's how I'm recording these. So thank you to Zoom. Everybody, please make sure to check out the Black Debated Boutique and uh, to follow Des on Instagram. That's at DesTheCreatrix. Uh, and it's BlackDebatedBoutique.com. Make sure to cop all the stuff that you possibly can. Uh, I'm so, so excited for that business to blow up and I'm so excited uh, to continue this podcast. And please, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and rate and review and spread the word. Uh, 
uh, I'm, I'm really proud of this little show uh, and I'm excited to uh, keep it going uh, even in the face of um, the horrifying current reality. Uh, so I hope all of you are staying sane and safe and wearing a mask, please, for the love of God. Uh, and um, please stay tuned for another episode next week. I hope you have a good one. And here's an awkward sign-off, as is my brand. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>